Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, October the 16th. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting today with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Lots to get into. Week number two of, of the Israeli, uh, Israeli-Gaza uh, problem. We'll talk a little bit about Senator Blinken, or Secretary Blinken, excuse me, visiting Saudi Arabia, and some of the reaction at some of the universities. And, and you know, maybe... Uh, the reactions, uh, maybe a lot of Americans are looking at the video or the television screen like I was saying, what the heck is going on in our universities? Let me say hello to our friend uh, Bill Katz. How are you, Bill? Oh, reasonably well, uh, reasonably well, Silvio, for a week in which we really have seen international trauma uh, of a very, very special kind. We sure have. We also, and I have to say this, give some credit to Mayor Adams for giving a pretty good speech the other day about this whole crisis, Bill. I think he did. I think he uh, endeared himself to many New Yorkers. Uh, He placed himself firmly on the side of morality, made it very clear that we have to denounce the kind of bestiality that we saw last week when Israel was attacked uh, in the greatest loss of uh, Jewish lives since the Holocaust. Uh, He's been been four square. That is... That is incredible what you just said, that this is the single biggest loss. Uh, I, I, I didn't know that. I, I thought there may, there had, may have been some other terror, I mean, terrorist attacks you know, in, in the last 20 or 30 years. So what is the, the loss of life now, of over 1,000? Uh, in Israel, it's about 1,500 wow. that they know about. And apparently most of them have not yet been identified because of the mutilation that occurred. But uh, yes, it was <laughs> it was a, an incredible onslaught, and uh, I thought it was interesting today that one of the ministers in Israel took responsibility for it. He, he oh, said, okay. uh, he said I should have I should have been more alert to what was happening, and I like to see that even in, in such a horrible circumstance where uh, a, an official in a democracy actually takes responsibility. Yeah, well, there was clearly a breakdown of intelligence there. I mean, they should have at least known something. You know, the Israelis always know everything. They certainly have that reputation. Yeah, well, yeah, and in this case, the reputation didn't hold true. And not only not only Israel, but the United States, we have vast intelligence assets around the world, especially electronic assets. And the fact that we did not some, see something this big coming makes me frightened because are we, are we going to have another 9-11 where we also right. didn't see something coming? Exactly. No, you're exactly right. Now, where we are right now in in this Israel-Gaza situation is that by what we're watching on television or what we're hearing on television and in the news is that there's going to be a ground invasion of Gaza. Is it Gaza or Palestine? Which one is the right way? Well, Gaza, actually, you know, that's a very interesting question you ask. Because the word Palestine is so misused. Palestine is actually just a land area. Uh, the term Palestine isn't even a Middle Eastern term. It's a Roman term. And they, there's been kind of a fast hustle applied internationally uh, to make us believe that ha- that uh, Palestine was a country and it was stolen uh, by the West, uh, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Palestine has never been a country. It is simply a land area. It's like saying the Northwest United States Uh, and uh, the Gaza Strip, which is what we're talking about this week, used to be part of Egypt. 
and it then was uh, it then fell to Israel in the Six Day War. There have been several administrations. It is now basically under Hamas. Uh, the Israelis withdrew from the Gaza Strip, and about oh, I guess it was about 2007. There have been several administrations of the Gaza Strip. Uh, it is currently and and formally under Hamas leadership. And as usual with these situations where terror groups run things, they don't know how to run anything. So the right. people of the Gaza Strip haven't benefited at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, in fact, it's been pretty bad for them uh, during all this time. I mean, when, when, I've always been fascinated by this, Bill. You look at the countries in that region. You look at Israel, prosperous, democratic. Yes. You look at Egypt, you know, relatively prosperous. Um, yeah, you can say democratic, but certainly it's functioning. And you look at, at Gaza or whatever they call it, and it's a mess. So you got to wonder, you know, if it's the Israelis' fault or is it the fault of the people running this thing? Well, the, you know, the people running it are responsible. And uh, the people who observe it are responsible because over the years, uh, the, the Gaza Strip has made so little progress, uh, at least for most people. And yet the only time some of these international so-called, so-called human rights organizations show any interest is if Israel does something to defend itself against a threat coming from the Gaza Strip. Then they're interested. But between those things, they never seem terribly interested at all. Right. You know, uh, one of the things that may come out of this, and, you know, even in a time of darkness, there may be certain benefits or, or certain things that come out that can, can benefit humankind. And that maybe people now will begin to look more carefully when so-called human rights organizations uh, say something. Anybody can call themselves a human rights organization. It's like the old Soviet Union and its satellite states. The satellites were called the People's Republic, People's Republic of Poland, People's Republic of Czechoslovakia. Well, of course, there were no People's Republics. They were just satellites of the Soviet Union. We should be careful about labels. Right. Well, when Cuba can be a part of the UN Human Rights Commission, you know, yes. human rights doesn't mean what it did. Uh, another another uh, consequence of, of this whole uh, crisis uh, in, is the word proportion. Everybody yes. keeps talking about a proportional response. Yes. Which the other day I was watching a British, uh, I don't know, a British journalist, or I, I can't quite, I think he's a journalist. And he was being interviewed by the BBC, and the lady from the BBC was asking about proportion. And he responded by saying, well, maybe Israel should, uh, you know, fire 5,000 missiles three nights in a row into residential areas in Gaza. or And then they should find a, a music festival and kill the guys and rape the women. Uh. And then maybe go into a community and kill all the people in the homes. Obviously, this man was not suggesting Israel do that, but he kept talking. He kept hearing proportion and proportion. And, well, that would be proportional if that's what Israel did, Bill. Well, that that is a ridiculous concept, the concept of proportionality. When you are attacked and you are at war, your objective and your obligation is to win, not achieve proportionality. I mean, you, you, you're going to ask the question, uh, when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, well, maybe we should have simply sunk some Japanese ships at leave and left it at that. Right. The threat is still out there. The threat of the aggressor is still out there. So proportionality is a ridiculous diplomat's gimmick 
for making it virtually impossible for a free nation and a good nation to fight back. You're, you're told you're, you must fight back with one hand tied behind your back. You must only do what your enemy did and no further. Uh, Israel sees this as an attack on Western civilization as well as on Israel, and its job is to wipe out the threat. That's right. Well, that would be like somebody breaking into my home with a knife, and I defend myself with an AR-15, and somebody says that's not proportional. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you got to defend yourself. But uh, what about the role of Iran here? Uh, I mean, they keep threatening that that they're going to get involved. Uh, President Biden hasn't publicly said anything about Iran having been involved in this attack. Uh, but, I mean, could we be at war with Iran here soon, Bill? Well, it's possible. Uh, the president, uh, in a baffling manner, I think, uh, has said, well, we don't have any real proof that Iran was involved in this particular episode. Well, we do have proof that Iran has been consistently financing Hamas, training Hamas, and there are those who say, that they have evidence that Iran was specifically involved in this horrible, horrible massacre of Israelis. But the administration, for some reason, only wants to say that, well, traditionally they have financed uh, uh, Hamas. Uh, what, what, what Iran is saying to the world is, well, if the Israelis really go into the Gaza Strip after Hamas, we reserve the right to strike back and to engage in some big exercise or, or, or big uh, operation. That's, that's pretty frightening because I cannot really believe that Iran could mean it. I don't, I don't see Iran going to war over the Gaza Strip when, in fact, that would mean war with Israel, if not the United States, and probably the destruction of a good part of their country. It may have been just bravado, or maybe they felt that was a statement they had to make. Well... I think, as Lindsey Graham had said, Senator Graham had said, we would probably take out their oil refineries and their ports. And if we do that, uh, there goes Iran, because they don't even right. have the ability to uh, to defend themselves. Another another quick question I wanted to ask you, uh, Bill, about President Biden last night on 60 Minutes. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, I've seen clips of it. I've seen much of it in, re- in, the, in clips, not actually live. Did you have a chance to see it? I saw clips uh, as you did. Okay, because a lot of people are are you know raising the the question that uh, the the person interviewing I think Scott Pelley Scott Pelley yeah. yeah that he was pretty soft on President Biden yeah yeah he was uh, he asked good, reasonably good questions but he could have been much tougher but the president seemed frail and I think that may have held him back a bit. Uh, also, when you're interviewing the president, by tradition, you don't you know, jam things down his throat as you would with a congressman or a, you know, a lower official. There is some respect for the office. And I think he got out of him what he wanted to. Uh, uh, president uh, Biden has said he stands four square behind Israel, but it's always with a qualification. And that is that Israel, in responding to the awful attacks, must do so with responsibility and restraint. Here again, that's the, that whole idea of proportionality coming again. And right. I, do, I do fear that at some point the United States uh, will pull the rug out from under Israel. I think that's what some members of the administration want. The administration is filled with anti-Israel elements that are holdovers from the Obama administration. 
and they uh, they really have no interest in Israel. No, no, they never have. Um, well, I think one thing that Mr. Pelly or Mr. Scott uh, is it Pelly? Scott Pelly, P E L L E Y. One, yeah. yeah, one thing that he said last night that may have been misunderstood by people is when he said the president looks tired. Yes. Uh, and, and I think that at least the way I understood it was physically tired. Uh, maybe not tired of the of the job, but just kind of physically tired. And he did last night. I mean, he looks, I mean, look, any president would be overwhelmed by all these events. But in, in the case of President Biden, it looks more than a typical president, at least the ones we've had recently, Bill. Yes, he, look, there's no question about it on the the, uh, the Scott Pelley interview. He had to be helped through some uh, sentences. He obviously is not in condition to serve as president of the United States, but that doesn't seem to bother the Democratic Party. No. I mean, I don't know why a committee doesn't visit him and say, you know, Joe, it's uh, you, you've served for many years. We appreciate your service, but maybe it would be best if a younger generation took over. Nobody dares to do it. And I think that from what he says, at least, he plans to run as for president. I think there is a possibility, however, and I'm just speculating here, that if he can pull off something good in the Middle East, like a successful end to this crisis, and by successful I mean the destruction of Hamas, I think he could then go out on a high note and say, I'm tired, I, I think we've achieved this great victory, and I'd like to turn the presidency over to a younger and more vigorous person. Then he would go out on a high. Uh, people would respect him. Uh, and I think the country would probably, I would hope, wind up with a more vigorous person. But right now, we have a legitimate reason to question his fitness, physical fitness, to serve as president. Let me ask you another question before we get to another topic. Uh, Secretary Blinken was in South, South, uh, South, Saudi Arabia. I almost said South Africa, Saudi Arabia. And uh, apparently the he didn't get a good welcome bill. No, he was treated very rudely, according to press reports, that the crown prince uh, who was to meet him kept him waiting several hours, uh, was ra rather abrupt. Uh, it is interesting that right before this uh, tragedy occurred, Saudi Arabia and Israel were negotiating for normalization between the two, and they were very close to an agreement. There are some experts who believe, and I think correctly, that one of the reasons for the attacks on Israel was to break up that progress uh, for normalization. That's the last thing the uh, Hamas terrorists want. And unfortunately, Saudi Arabia's response thus far has been to, if not completely side with the terrorists, at least show sympathy for them and show aloofness from Israel. Yeah. Well, they've also uh, have threatened to cut down oil production and and stuff like that, too, that I'm sure the White House is not happy to hear. Bill, one of the interesting things for me, watching all of this, you know, back and forth uh, about, you know, proportionality and everything, is what we have watched in these universities over the last few days. And I have to tell you that a lot of people are, are looking at these universities and these demonstrations and watching people being interviewed, denying what actually happened, saying, no, no, show me the pictures of the babies killed and all this kind of stuff. And I think a, a lot of Americans are maybe 
opening their eyes to what is going on in our university, which is not very good, Bill. No, it really isn't. The uh, response in universities has either been silence or uh, a complete um, uh, uh, contempt for decency by having people claiming to be for Palestinian rights running around denouncing Israel and saying Israel is responsible for this, uh, which, of course, is absurd. Uh, And the response to that by university administrations has usually been anemic. I, I, I don't think it is a violation of anyone's uh, academic freedom for a university administration to say, we denounce this horrible attack in Israel by Hamas and naming uh, Hamas. I mean, you're, you're talking about universities where if some kid gets up at a meeting and says something that a, a minority group feels offended by, that kid could be thrown out. And here you have kids endorsing mass murder and nothing is done and yes i think people are waking up to the fact that something is truly wrong in our universities yes and and then when you watch the placards that they're marching with i mean you you get the feeling that this is more than just israel i see a lot of anti-americanism in these marches and and i begin to wonder you know are these universities nothing but a a a uh, incubator if i could use that word for anti-American Americanism and anti, because I think a lot of times you know they put Israel and the United States in the same position. Yes, and they criticize one as as the other. But I see some of the marches, I see some of the things that they're wearing, some of the things that they're saying, and it's like saying, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." If you don't like the United States, you can leave. And you know what are these people doing here? Who's paying for their school? That was the other question I had, Bill. It's not exactly cheap to go to Harvard. No, I mean, and to some of these places. So, I mean, somebody, either these kids come from wealthy families who can cut these checks or somebody's cutting these checks because, I mean, the, those institutions are, are not community colleges. They're very expensive, Bill. That's right. And uh, even if uh, they're on scholarship, we have to ask the question, who's paying for their scholarships? And why would anybody want a scholarship student with these views and, and, and this kind of behavior. And also many of them are, uh, are guests of the United States. Uh, they are from other countries. You'd think they'd show a little bit of respect, but no, they were out there with the most horrible placards. And also some observer, this was not original with me, noticed that you never see in these demonstration, uh, demonstrations an American flag. Usually when people are out demonstrating in the United States, they will have an American flag in the middle of their demonstration. You don't see it with these people. These people are hardened leftists or hardened uh, pro-Palestinian fanatics who don't even know much about the Middle East. But the, the absence of an American flag, the absence of any reference to the United States except negative references. Yes, I think people are asking questions. We pay billions of dollars a year in this country for federal aid to education. And maybe we should look more carefully at how that money is spent, and maybe we should cut off some of that flow of money. You know, here in Texas, Bill, uh, the legislature in one of the last sessions actually shut down a lot of these activities at universities. There was an office at these universities for diversity or something like that. Yes. And the legislature shut that down saying, you know, that's not what universities are for. So that doesn't exist here anymore. And maybe they should do the same in other places. But I find it interesting that 
some of the foundations, like uh, this gentleman, Mr. Huntsman, you know, his family uh, out of Utah, they apparently contribute a lot of money to one of the universities where these marches were. I think it's Penn, not Penn State, but the other um, one. The, the University of Pennsylvania. The University of Pennsylvania. I guess he's an alumni. Yes. And they have contributed lots of money to this university, his family, that is. And he apparently said no more. He's not cutting any more checks. Now, he did get a phone call from the president of the university, probably wondering why he's upset. But he came down very hard. And I wish more alumni association, more of these foundations would do that so that they can at least deliver the message that, hey, we, we don't like what we're watching, Bill. That's right. Well, I think many people are outraged by the misuse of the term academic freedom, because whenever something like this happens, <coughs> uh, especially when it happens uh, and, and some atrocity is, is conducted by a, a, a left-wing organization, uh, the universities usually shrug and say, well, we have academic freedom here, even for ideas that we find obnoxious. Well, you know, you can't just have academic freedom. You have to have academic responsibility. You have to have academic ethics. You have, ac you have to have academic deportment. We look as to college professors as being role models. And when they fail, they should be called out on it. I mean, you have some faculty members at universities, well-known universities, that were cheering on Hamas. Well, what do you say about that? It's okay to have a, a faculty member who applauds mass murder? Apparently, it is okay at some of these institutions. So, yeah, yeah it's. Uh, uh, I think people are now, especially when federal budgets come up, uh, that people are going to take a harder look at federal aid to education and where it could be cut. Right. Well, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Because, I mean, if you go to one of these universities and you give a speech saying that men should not compete with women, they shut you down. That's right. I mean, that young lady, uh, Gaines, I think is her last name, they, they wouldn't let her speak at one of these universities. And, you know, all she wanted to say was that men and women were different biologically when it came to sports. That's and right. they wouldn't let her speak, as I understand. And you've had other speakers, conservative speakers, like uh, this lady, Candace Owens, I think is her name. She's been shut down. Ben Shapiro has been oh, shut absolutely. down. So they have no trouble shutting people down, except if they're marching, supporting Hamas, then it's okay, Bill. Well, that, that is the hypocrisy. It's the dishonesty. It's the corruption of universities. You know, we have tended in this country to glorify universities as if they're perfect places, places run by people who are better than we are, and it's not true at all. People should not forget that the laws of segregation in the South, which kept black, black people down, were not written by people in pickup trucks with Confederate flags flying from their radio antennas. They were written by law school professors. And in the history of the United States, we have seen many examples of universities acting very badly, especially during the 1930s, the Nazi era, they were not leaders in the fight against Nazism. They never were. Uh, in fact, uh, at Harvard University, here again, the name Harvard comes up, Nazi officers were feted at the president's house uh, long after we knew what Adolf Hitler had in mind. And it was, it was just shocking. And that occurred in many universities in the United States. Um, people in universities are no better and no worse than people anywhere else. Uh, they are not superior to us. They may be uh, superior in some... Uh, academic field that we that we acknowledge but as human beings as creatures they're not superior 
they they are not more moral because they have advanced degrees or more wise or more ethical. And I think that has to be that point has to be made, and they have to be put in their place. Absolutely, and the, and the legislatures can do a good job of that. Certainly, the foundation, the alumni groups. But I think if I was an alumni of Harvard or University of Pennsylvania, I would be pretty embarrassed by what I saw this weekend. Uh, yes, yes, I think you should, you you would be. And yet, sadly, there are younger alumni groups who are not embarrassed. Right. They come from the modern era of education, and to them, this is just uh, progressives demonstrating their cause. Uh, and they, <coughs> they, they, you even have have students when interviewed on television saying, well, the things that were attributed to Hamas's attackers really aren't true. They really didn't slit children's throats. It's outrageous. It is. It is. And I thought I saw an interview one time recently here, Sarah, uh, Sarah Carter. Yes. Of Fox News was interviewing some of these people and they were literally arguing with her saying, no, you're making that up. There were no kids who were killed. Um, and again, when you're dealing with people like that, that's what worries me that you may be dealing here with people who could be potential threats to the United States. We're not talking here about a bunch of young people confused. We're talking about at least what, what I see is potential terrorists who could actually be planning something inside the United States, Bill. Oh, absolutely. I think this is an issue that has also come up, and that is our southern border is unbelievably open, and we know as a fact that some of the people who have come through that border have not been from Latin America. They've been from the Middle East. Right. And, 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 and a number of them have been on the terrorist watch list. And they come into this country and they just disappear. I have to believe that some of them are here uh, for very, very bad purposes and that we have to brace ourselves for the possibility of another 9-11. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I fear the same thing. And you would think you would think that politically this would be a great opportunity for President Biden to say, you know what, we're going to close the border for a while. Yes. Let's digest what we have. Uh, you would think politically he would benefit by saying that, Bill. But Well, he, he would, but on the other hand, in his party, if he said that, uh, he would be called a traitor to the Democratic Party, um, a right-winger, or uh, a, a moderate who needs to be replaced. The Democratic Party increasingly is being taken over by a left-wing that really does not have that much support of the general population, but it has support within the Democratic Party. It sure does. And Bill Maher, of all people, was saying that, I think, a few yes. days ago. Yes. He was saying, you know, this is not, I mean, he, I, I'm paraphrasing what he was saying, but he was basically saying, this is not the Democrat Party that I knew. That's exactly uh, right. And and they, they've become very radical, very anti-Israel. It's ironic because it was the President Truman, of course, who recognized the state of Israel. Yes. So it is ironic yeah. that his party would now become not I wouldn't say the whole party, but certainly a lot of people in the party who make a lot of noise and get a lot of interviews on MSNBC bill. That's absolutely correct. Uh, President Truman did what was the first world leader to recognize the state of Israel when it was proclaimed uh, in 1948. Uh, uh, but the reality is that uh, that the United States in Israel's war of independence, uh, in 1948, when it was attacked by the Arab nations, uh, the United States didn't lift a finger. 
It was President Truman himself who took that great gesture to recognize Israel. But there were many elements in the U.S. government who were against the formation of Israel. Sometimes the Democratic Party has taken a bit too much credit for the formation of Israel. It was Israel was founded by Israel. And uh, Truman was heroic in, in recognizing it. It really did lead other nations to recognize it. But we should be realistic that this is not 1948 any longer. No, certainly not the party for sure either. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, but we'll see how things develop this week. I guess between now and the next time we speak, we may be talking about a ground invasion, which is obviously going to complicate things a great deal. I mean, I support the ground invasion. I support what Israel is doing. They have a right to defend themselves. And uh, uh, But it's going to get, I think it's going to get tough and there's going to be a lot of loss of life on both sides. Let me uh, jump to another topic here, Bill, quickly. Uh, the Speaker of the House, I guess we're still looking for a Speaker of the House. Now, I have to tell you that I, I am a registered Republican, and I'm angry yes. with the way that some of these uh, Republicans have made have brought this about. I don't think McCarthy was the problem. Uh, McCarthy was not perfect. But when you have a majority of eight to 10 votes, what is he supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, anything he passes is, is going to die in the Senate or would die on, on, on the president's desk. So he had to find something that would get through. And I give him credit for that. But some of these people like Getz and some of these other representatives, I don't know what planet they're living in, Bill. Well, they are they are living on their own planet and they believe they're the center of the world. They don't understand that they have to win an election next year. The purpose of, of participating in an election is to win it, not just to make a point. And they're being, I, look, I can understand their position. They do disagree on some important issues, but you can disagree within unity. Removing uh, uh, Congressman McCarthy as speaker was a reckless and irresponsible move. And now we're stuck with the situation where we have no speaker of the House. Uh, it's been suggested by some, and I, and I think it's a serious suggestion that enough Republicans bolt the party to uh, elect Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic uh, leader, as Speaker of the House. That would be at a time when Republicans have a majority, although a slight one, in the House. That could actually happen, although it would be extremely humiliating for the Republican Party. Yes. I mean, you know, as I, as I say, you know, the, the objective here is to have a bigger majority in 2024, with a U.S. Senate and hopefully a U.S. president so that you can actually move the ball forward. Yes. But what these guys have done, I'm very angry with them. Now, it looks like Speaker or Jim Jordan is going to be the speaker. That's okay with me. I have no no problem with him uh, as long as he understands that or as long as they change this silly rule that three or four people can vacate the, the speakership. I mean, that's stupid, Bill. Yes, yes. It really does allow a tiny group to, in effect, destroy the House of Representatives, if only temporarily. It is a stupid rule, and it should be repealed. Right. It should be the majority of the majority of the party yes. should be the, the ones voting to remove a speaker of, of their own party. Well, we mentioned quickly off the air, Bill, that Louisiana had an election, and New Zealand had an election. Well, Louisiana, the state, of course, New Zealand, the country, but uh, Australia also had a an election. There will be elections in other states coming up. But in the case of New Zealand and Australia, it does look like climate change 
is beginning to to turn some voters against liberals. And they're not denying climate change. They're simply saying, you know, you're going too fast. Take it easy. You know, you yes. don't destroy our economy to promote some theory that you you cannot even explain to us, Bill. That's right. I think people are saying, yeah, yes, well, you have some climate change there. There may be some damage, but the world is not going to come to an end. Right. Uh, I, I think Bill Gates said that uh, a couple of weeks ago, as you pointed out before we went on the air. Uh, and that uh, and that some of the solutions like electric vehicles may be very poor solutions and may not actually contribute to a cleaning up of, uh, of the planet. Uh, I think they are saying to the climate change people, you know, uh, be in favor of uh, dealing with climate change, but don't be a re- reckless fanatic about it. That's right. And stop blocking traffic. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I don't know who runs these climate change groups. But if you want to get a lot of people angry at you, block traffic. Well, that, definitely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, well, the, the kind of people who are running them are basically political fanatics right. who believe that their cause is more important than any cause in the world and everything else must be put aside. Right. And that they can walk into a museum, destroy works of art. Because there's a connection to oil somehow in, in these works of art. Well, that's it. And they, they find a connection to, to oil in the same way where uh, fanatics in other areas find racism in mathematics. That's right. I mean, so, you know, my suggestion to the climate change people, if they're going to listen to me, is you may want to get different leadership. You, well, yes, yes. <laughs> well, they, they may have to after the next election. I, I hope, hope so. I, I hope I so. I certainly hope it happens. Because, you know, the, the, the tragedy here, Bill, is that, you know, not everything that they're saying with respect to the climate is wrong, but it's just the way they're saying it, their tactics. You know, you've got people in the country right now. We had an increase in inflation in September, as you know. Mortgage rates went up. Uh, it's becoming more and more difficult to buy a house or finance a new home. People have a lot of problems. I just personally uh, negotiated our, our our contract for electricity in the house. I mean, it's going to cost more money in the next two years than it did in the last two. Uh, so if you're going to talk to me about climate change by raising my electricity rates, I'm not a good audience, Bill. That's right. That's right. And yes, electricity rates are going up and it's a bill people must pay and they must pay it on time. And the the cost of automobiles, of course, is sky high, and it's still sky high. Uh, and other things are going to go up uh, as we, as they say, transition to a greener economy without any evidence that this is really going to do that much good. That's that's what I can't stand is the idea that we'll do it, you know, just to do it. Uh, I mean, these these electric uh, vehicles are plagued with problems, aside from the fact that it is wrong for the federal government to require someone or even a state government to buy a new car. It isn't as if the old ones are so terrible. We have catalytic converters. We have devices to uh, regulate or at least control uh, the, uh, some of the pollution that's around. But, I mean, don't, don't tell me I must give up my life savings to buy a car because somebody has a theory, and that's right. what they're doing. That's right. That's right. It's like, the, it, no, it's just crazy. And that's what I'm saying that they need a, they need to change their message. These climate change people, they need to change their message or their spokespeople if they want to reach uh, uh, a larger audience, I think. Well, Bill, as always, thank you for your time. Have a wonderful week. 
thank you for the great work you do at Urgent Agenda. Thank you. And I have a feeling we'll be talking about Israel next week. I suspect we will be, and uh, and, and it will be a very serious discussion. Absolutely. Things are going to get nasty. Thank you for your time, Bill. Have a wonderful day. Uh, you have a wonderful day, too, Sylvia. Looking forward to next time. Thank you so much. Uh, our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. We talk with Bill once a week. Always have a lot of uh, a lot of fun doing it, and we deal with some very serious issues like what's happening in, in Israel right now, in Gaza, and and so on. It's uh, Again, I just want to say that what I saw at these universities over the weekends and the nasty people who were representing whatever they were representing, uh, I think these universities need to take a look at their staff, their faculty, uh, their standards of behavior, because they're not winning a lot of hearts and minds uh, in the country, especially the people who pay taxes to support these universities. Have a great day, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.